The Athletic. Straight out of Cobham, the show about Chelsea from The Athletic. On this episode, table-topping Chelsea head to Leicester as the Premier League returns. We round up the international news, plus TTMOM, two more years of Sam Kerr and a quiz. Available for free wherever you get your podcasts and ad-free on The Athletic. This is Straight Out of Cobham. The Premier League's back this weekend. Uh, Chelsea head into the busiest part of the season in fine shape. And you could say the same about this podcast. I'm not saying that would be accurate, but you could say it. Uh, I've got two of the Athletics' very best alongside me today. Hello, Simon Johnson. Oh, sorry. Sorry, the very best. Sorry, I didn't realise that. Did you talk about someone else? Yes. Hello. 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 Did Great you have a nice that. holiday? So, was that off camera or not? I mean, was that included? Is that is that... <laughs> No, that was genuine banter, as in... Oh, oh, you need to clarify. I was waiting for someone else to be introduced. Um, yes, I did have a wonderful holiday. My banter's still as bad, though, clearly. It might even be rustier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It warms it, up as the pod goes on. I need, to, I need to nerdle a few singles to find leg before <laughs> yeah. I, I get into the swing of things again. And you lost at least 70% of our <laughs> yeah. just like that. <laughs> right, Don Fifield, win them back. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Um, I'm not even going to attempt bants. Okay, good. Uh, later we'll round up the international news and talk Leicester, but there's a couple of news items that have broken since we last spoke. One of those this morning, Edward Mendy, taken to Instagram uh, to point out that his image has been used by several British and French news outlets in the reporting of the Benjamin Mendy alleged rape case. Uh, Mendy put on his Instagram story, sad to see that in 2021 in France, as in England, for some blacks have neither first names nor distinct faces. These photo mistakes sound like anecdotal. They are highly symbolic of the country. However, it is not that difficult to distinguish two faces, especially when the jersey is of a valuable help. Um, Simon, my first thought of this was I feel very sorry for, for Edouard Mendy because this is a horrible thing to happen to him. But also it's it's just, it's unforgivable really, isn't it? Because it's basic fact-checking, which is one of the first things that you learn in, in journalism school. Sure. I mean, mistakes happen. Like, occasionally a sloppy mistake happens. I, I've made some in my copy, you know, but it will be sort of like perhaps getting the year wrong or a goal score. And, and, and it's very frustrating. You get really annoyed with yourself because um, sometimes you sort of don't know where it's come from. But there are mistakes and there are mistakes. You know, there's different levels. And when you're covering a story of this magnitude, hmm. the level of sort of concentration and making sure this is spot on has to be to the tops. I mean, we're dealing with a serious, serious case here. And to get a picture wrong is unforgivable. I mean, it's just, it's it's not, you couldn't even say it's amateur hour. It's... You know there are a few players with the name Mendy, but when you're dealing with a with a sort of case as strong as this, it it shouldn't be that difficult to type in the right name and find the right picture. It's not like Edouard Mendy is some unknown player. He's the he's the Champions League winning goalkeeper. He's winning awards for his goalkeeping, and I totally understand why he's upset as he is because this is not just some um, light-hearted issue, light-hearted mistake. 
um, his his face is being associated with a very serious crime, and quite rightly he's speaking out about it. And and those people responsible for publishing his image should be doing their utmost to put it right. But I I, I would imagine there's going to be sort of quite a lot of fallout from this, and rightly so. What do you think that fallout would would be, Don? Because I'm interested that it, it's clearly not just one publication that's made this mistake. Obviously, somebody's done it, and a couple of others maybe have copied it. But what what can be done? Do you think to make sure that this kind of stuff doesn't happen again? I I I, I genuinely don't know beyond asking people just to be careful. I mean, it, it should just be second nature. But I mean, looking at the looking at the stories, certainly on the Instagram post that that he's he's posted. I mean, that they are from England they're from Germany they're from France um so there's a it's it's a proper spread of of media outlets that have have made this mistake and and I I don't know whether whether they're just I mean one of them appears to be a a tweet um with with a with a photograph pinned to that but the I mean it's just it's staggering <laughs> I don't really know what to say I mean it's 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 incompetence to be honest yeah and as simon says it's the nature of the story which makes this um so particularly bad well there's not much more that we can say about it i think but it's something that i'm sure will develop so best to edward mendy on that and yeah for those publications that that made this mistake you just hope that they can learn from it and not do anything so ridiculously dunderheaded again uh, we'll move on to some more light-hearted news and notes that have broken since last week. Sam Kerr signed a two-year extension to her Chelsea contract. She'll now be a blue until at least 2024. 39 goals in 56 games for the club so far. Uh, we failed to mention on Monday that Thomas Tuchel was awarded the Premier League Manager of the Month for October. Uh, Simon, I don't think this is a very difficult decision for whoever makes it. I was looking at the at the results in the Premier League. Chelsea won four games and the aggregate score was 14-1. So, yeah, he was a, a fairly strong contender. Yeah, he did all right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean... I mean, he'll obviously, if he carries this this uh, this form, he'll, he'll be a strong contender for Manchester season. Although David Moyes would probably get my early vote for that, simply because the the job he's doing at West Ham. But I, I'm always wary of the Manager of the Month awards. It sort of it ten, tends to bring a bit of a jinx to it. Um, this kind of history of not just at Chelsea, just generally, it sort of seems to sort of spark some bad results. Um, but no, he 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 had a fantastic month. Um, the the only uh, the only downside, obviously, sort of started into November, was the Burnley result. But um, but yeah, I'm, I'm sure he'll give December. Which if he gets manager of the month for December, then Chelsea will be very very happy because that means they're in a very good position going into the new year. One other little news line, Tori Andre Flo will leave his position as lone player technical coach at the end of the year. He's taking on his first managerial role. It's back home in Norway with second tier side Songdal. That's the club where he started and finished his playing career. Um, Dom, I put on the group chat yesterday, what was your favourite Flo moment? And, and you had a what I would call a, a virtual breakdown. Yeah, a bit of a throwback to a previous existence when I, I worked for a rival football club in London and we, we, we were struggling near the bottom of the Premier League as we invariably did and came to Stamford Bridge in March 1998 um, to play Gianluca Viali's Chelsea and Flay started on the bench that night 
um, Palace actually scored first. Uh, Herman Horidison scored. Uh, when Marcus Bent scored our second goal that night, it was 87 minutes gone. We were 4-2 down and it felt it felt just about right. That was a fair reflection of the gulf between the two teams. And what I hadn't taken into account was Tori Andre Flo's ability to score goals as a substitute and just look as if he'd been on the pitch all night, find the rhythm immediately of the, the pace of the game. And he scored two in pretty much in stoppage time at the end. And I'd never seen, I'd, I had never seen Palace concede um, six uh, in, a, in a game at that point. I'd missed the the, the infamous 9-0 because I was still at school back in the day in 89. Um, and the fallout from that was basically <laughs> Stevie Coppel, who was a hero of mine, um, took about two hours to come to the post-match press conference, uh, by which time I'd missed my last train uh, and my last bus. <laughs> Uh, and he got the violin playing Lou pretty much pretty much <laughs> resigned at that point when he eventually did it when he eventually came in he, he, he indeed by the next time Palace played a game Attilio Lombardo was in charge and didn't even speak English um, so yeah I blame Torre Andre for basically rubbing salt into the wounds and I've never forgiven him and quite frankly what, given that he's going back to Norway to coach now I presume this means that he's a shoe in to become Chelsea manager when they need to uh, heal a rift potentially after the third stint that Jose Mourinho will have had at the club. Um, and we can all get behind Tori Andre Flo at the wheel. Is that the expression that we use now for Norwegian <laughs> rookie managers? But um, yeah, so welcome back, Tori, in 2025. Wow. Um, I mean, follow that, Simon. I was going to <laughs> ask you. Where... I'm going back to the I'm going back to the Lake District after that. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Flo, it kind of lasts 20, 30 years underrated as a Chelsea striker made some great contributions I don't know if there were any in particular that that come to mind when you think of his his playing career do not talk about a brace against Crystal Palace <laughs> heaven forbid uh <laughs> no that Chelsea fans there are there are two notable games probably that will spring to mind um there's the hat trick at White Hart Lane and a 6-1 Victory, which occasionally you might hear sung about, particularly in Chelsea Tottenham games, uh, referred to. He could get a hat trick. Flo plays it in, and the goals flow. Torre Andre Flo's hat trick, six one. Would you believe it? This is Sunday League defending. It's men against schoolboys. The Norwegian takes the Michael. And. Then one of Chelsea's greatest wins, although unfortunately it didn't lead to a semi-final appearance. He scored twice to help put Chelsea 3-0 up against Barcelona in the quarter-final first leg in 2000. And uh, I remember being... Uh, I was at the ground that night and the atmosphere was one of disbelief um, of what they were see everyone was seeing um, because Barcelona, magnificent side as they have been for many years. Um, of course, Figo got a goal back in the second half. Flo also scored in the new Camp um, in the second leg. And Chelsea were about seven, seven, eight minutes away from the semi-finals, going through on away goals, I think. Um, and then but ended up losing 5-1 in extra time. But the other thing that people might appreciate Flo for, he was a very good super sub. He cost 300000 and they sold him to Rangers for about £12 million. So it was a remarkable bit of business. And also, one more thing about Flo. He was having a very good season, him and Gustavo Poyet, 
um, when Chelsea were right in the title mix. They, they actually led the league for about 21 weeks, if memory serves. I've been very specific there. Um, but for some reason, that's imprinted in my mind. Um, but Flo and Poyet got injured about the same time of the season, uh, sort of just after Christmas or around the Christmas period. We're out for two, three months each. And, and those two injuries were, were a huge setback and probably a ma- major factor in, in why Chelsea just fell short um, against the very, obviously, the treble-winning Manchester United outfit. And according to the excellent Chelsea chatter on Twitter, it was on this day, as we record, Thursday in 2000, that he played his last game for Chelsea. Uh, listen to my Dore Andre flow anecdote uh, is basically that I once made him a cup of tea in the Chelsea TV studios and he has one sugar, which I was surprised at <laughs> because A, he's quite lean and B, I thought he was sweet enough. So It's odd. already 21 years since he played his last game. That's amazing. He's Crazy, famous. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and did not very much afterwards. As, as Simon said, Chelsea got a, a great fee from him. He went to Sunderland as well, didn't he? And, and couldn't really replicate his, his Chelsea form there. So the Blues he definitely got the best player. of him. Really good mm. player, really good player. Good luck to him in his new role. Okay, next we're going to round up the international news. A couple of news bits and notes from the midweek international fixtures. Thomas Tuchel, I'm sure, pleased to learn that Angola Kante and Thiago Silva both sat out the midweek games for France and Brazil, respectively. Uh, congratulations to Conor Gallagher, made his England debut against San Marino in the 10-0 win. Reese James and Ben Chilwell also featured in that. Not such good news for Jorginho. His Italy side held 0-0 away to Northern Ireland on Monday, thus they failed to qualify for the World Cup automatically. Instead, they'll be in the playoffs, which begin in March. Uh, but, Don, Thomas Tuchel will be fairly pleased, if not very pleased, with the way that Christian Pulisic has been used by the USA over this break. This is the subject of your latest piece for The Athletic. He, he understandably harboured some concerns and, and the USA coach kind of bristled at that a little bit. But it seems like it's worked out as well as it could have done. I think they've used him very responsibly. He played 45 minutes over the two two games, uh, 21 minutes in the, the Mexico match where he obviously scored the goal that uh, well, basically paved the way for, for the USA's um, win uh, in Cincinnati. And then 24 minutes on a very, very heavy pitch in in Jamaica, uh, Kingston, Jamaica, Independence Park. Um, and I th- he struggled in that match. I, I'll be honest. It, it, I did a... I, I sort of logged on to Scout on a Wednesday morning um, and looked through his highlights... Um, from that game and they basically consisted of the occasional forward pass uh, one or two dribbles down blind alleys and um, some a couple a couple of times where he 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 provoked a foul from from the Jamaican right-sided centre-half or or right back Um, but generally speaking his delivery from set plays wasn't great he looked like a player that that is ring rusty that is hasn't really had much football in his in his legs for a long time but but that said, while his his own performances are going to need to step up, and he'll, you know, this, what happens next is the next stage of his of his rehab, effectively, and he's back into the first team. Um, that international break could not have gone better for Thomas Tuchel. You're right; he was worried because he, he Pulisic was still experiencing pain in his ankle when he left for the United States, and he's he's come back with a bit of game time under his belt, not too much. No, as far as I know, no. Um, 
recurrences or no more discomfort than he than he had previously. And, you know, hopefully he'll be able to transpose some of those sort of cameos into the Chelsea first team in the weeks to come. I mean, I, I can't see him starting a game really until there's a, a dead rubber in the Champions League or or the League Cup time, maybe at Brentford. It seems unlikely that he'd start a match before then, but given the other options at Tuchel's disposal, but I suspect there will be cameos off the bench. And as he proved against Mexico, he is capable of making those runs and, and providing the finishes when supplied. Am I overreacting, Simon, by saying this is the most significant period of his Chelsea career? Because I'm just looking down at the list of the other wide forward players and it feels like Thomas Tuchel's had a good opportunity to assess all of those. Whether they've done well or not is one thing, but Pulisic is the one that that he's not been able to say, right, here's a 6-10 game period for you. Show me what you can do and why you should be a part of this team going forward. Yeah, I I think it's just a, a challenging period for him, full stop. Um, because it feels like Pulisic has been living off the um, the excitement he, he generated after the season, the 2019-20 season when he started, when he had that remarkable burst um, to finish the season. And he, but really, since his Chelsea career began, it's been very stop, start, stop, start, stop, start. And if you're a manager, inevitably you're your trust in him just in his fitness, his availability is is going to impact your decision-making. And whilst he's been out, you know, players have been sort of staking their claim. I mean, it would be very harsh now, for example, for Callum Hudson-Odoi to be dropped. And there's so much competition. I mean, Timo Werner on that side as well. You've got to somehow squeeze Mason Mount in what happens to Kai Havertz with, with the Lukaku coming back. This is, but, but what Pulisic does bring... He does have this knack, as he showed for the USA, he does have this knack of, of getting in the penalty area and, and finishing chances off. He, he he does have a role to play in this squad if he can stay fit. And and I suppose if is the sort of thing with Christian Pulisic. I'm sure it's been a really frustrating time for him as well. And he hasn't been helped that Tuchel has occasionally messed him about and played him at wing back and, and so forth. But if Chelsea can get him fit, my word, again, you're just thinking this squad is, is ridiculously blessed because when, when they have an injury, it, it might flip the other way around where another player gets injured and Pulisic benefits. The beauty of this squad is there just so, seems to be so many options for Tuchel to use if, if the injuries and suspensions kick in. Yep, we'll see who gets the nod to start against Leicester. That's the match we're going to be talking about next. Chelsea go to the King Power Stadium on Saturday to face Leicester City in the early kickoff. Joining us now to fill us in on the Foxes is the Athletics man in the know, re Leicester City, Rob Tanner. Uh, Rob, Leicester starting the weekend down in 12th. They haven't won any of their last four in all competitions. I wonder if there's a sense, therefore, that they were glad for this international break and, and maybe the chance to hit reset. Absolutely. And it was the, the same story in the previous international break as well. They went into that um, on a bad run. Uh, they drew at Palace in really strange circumstances. And then uh, they needed that that reset moment. Brendan Rodgers said that. They came out of the traps then against Man United and won 4-2. So, you know, it, it can help them to just to recharge. Because the way Leicester play, it's all about energy. It's all about intensity. It's the Brendan Rodgers way. So when they're low on those those stats, then you know it really does affect their game. They can't; they're not a side that can't play 
uh, less than 100%. They just, they, it's not in their game. It doesn't match their game. So the injuries and fatigue with the schedule takes its toll. But this is the last international break, and now they're heading into the busiest period of the season. Um, so let's see how they deal with that, because there's no other times to, to take a breath and, and recharge the batteries. Rob, is, um, is Brendan Rodgers house hunting in Cheshire? <laughs> well, it's my understanding. Um, they moved. He's moved up there. He, we've, they've got the, the hotel complex at the new training ground, and uh, after training himself and Johnny Evans, if there's a late training session or a late meeting or whatever, they'll stay over. Um, his wife's from Liverpool, and uh, I think I think she likes to be a little bit closer to, to her family. There, there was the trauma of the breaking in when they were in Glasgow. Um, but he, uh, Brendan, uh, when we'll we'll speak to him before in his press conference soon, but. Brendan seemed very happy in, in Leicester. He loved Leicestershire. He was living up by Bradgate Park and having coffees in the old post office coffee shop with, with all the locals. You know, he even asked me about the local cricket team who was supposed to be the captain of that because I, I think he fancied a knock. But um, yeah, he, but I think his family ties are, are very much up into that area. But uh, no, I, I, did, uh, I did look at those, uh, those reports and with a wry smile on my face. But is there, is there any sense that, that there's sort of constant links with Manchester United or with Newcastle United might be unsettling things at all there and, and maybe contributing to this slow start to the season? Well, they, they should be used to it by now with the, the, the links because it isn't just Brendan and it isn't just those clubs. I mean, Brendan's been linked with Spurs. He's been When Arteta was struggling in Arsenal, he was linked with Arsenal and, and even Barcelona. But the players <laughs> as well. I mean, the, the ongoing saga that is Yuri Tielemans' contract. I mean... I mean, a number of clubs, according to his representatives, a number of clubs are interested in him. But in the summer, it was Madison to Arsenal. It was this is the this is the routine at Leicester. Um, sometimes there's uh, some elements of truth in it, as we've seen in most summers. I mean, this was the first summer that they hadn't lost one of their important key players in the squad. They only ever lose one in the summer, but this year they managed to keep hold of all of them. But the speculation will continue. Fofana will be back from injury in the new year next summer. You, I imagine there'll be loads of rumours around him as well. So all this kind of speculation about about players and Rodgers is is this indicative of a feeling maybe that Leicester have peaked under Brendan Rodgers in winning the FA Cup and, and qualifying for Europe and obviously struggled a little bit in the Europa League is is that a concern? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I wrote a, an article about asking the question, what is the glass ceiling for a club like Leicester? But I think there's the, the romanticism about the Leicester City story, their incredible rise and what they've achieved up to now. On the back of all the kudos, there's also many people that would probably be waiting for the tail end of that. You know, the Empire Strikes Back to follow Star Wars. It like you know the dark moment, <laughs> the middle chapter that um, in their history. Um, and I think um, there is a feeling outside the club. I imagine there's a little bit concern inside the club, but outside the club, I imagine people think this is could be the moment. Um, but if you look at the the, the what's actually been happening with the number of injuries they've had. And last season, they did incredibly well to stay in the top four for as long as they did with the number of injuries they had. But then that carried on into this season, added to the fatigue of last season, which was on the back of the, the shortest pre-season in football history. Um, it really started to catch up with this squad, the strength in depth of it. It's, it just, they just can't, although they have tried to compete with the big clubs, with in terms of revenue, in terms of the, the quality they can recruit, um, in, in terms of the wages they can pay, they're, they're still miles behind. They've made so much ground, but there's still so much more to go. And it's a moving target. 
to the likes of Man United and 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 Chelsea, they're going to go off in the distance again. So it's going to be um, be interesting how they they respond in the next couple of weeks. But hoping when they get more uh, players back from injury, and hopefully as well, we get some good news on Yuri Tielemans, who picked up a little knock uh, in the Leeds game and had to miss the international games for Belgium. Um, hopefully he'll be back as well because he's such an important player for them. Then if they can get on a roll, just get that, get some momentum going again, perhaps we'll see the old Leicester we've seen of the last previous two years again. What sort of reception do you think Ben Chilwell and N'Golo Conte will get? I'm guessing one maybe better than the other. Obviously there weren't yeah. supporters in the stadium to, to welcome Chilwell back last season. Yeah, I, I, I don't, it's unfortunate with Ben uh, because he is... Um, He's a lad, a very likable lad. I got on very well with him when I saw him. He was always very friendly and jovial, and uh, and he's a good player as well. Um, so I'm not really certain what what this has all come from with some of the Leicester fans booing booing him. They used to sing he's one of our own. Now I don't get that. But Ingola Kante um, is he's beloved. He's um, he's one of the legends of the uh, the title winning season. Um, even though he left for Chelsea straight afterwards. It proved to be a good decision. You can't knock him, can you? Because he won another title straight after that. So, um, yeah, he, he's. I think it's his character as well. You know that he's always smiling. He's. Um, he doesn't speak much in the media. Um, so he don't, he, there's never a risk of him saying anything silly because he doesn't speak. Um, but just the little stories around him, you know, turning up for the first day of training and being mistakenly uh, sent to the uh, the youth team dressing rooms and stuff <laughs> like that because of because um, of you know his, his, his youthful look. Uh, the fact that he still drives around in a, a little mini seems very, very humble. I suppose, in contrast, Ben seems a bit of a, a playboy. You know, he's good mates with Jack Grealish and Madison and, you know, holidays and Love Island girls and all the other stuff. So, um, yeah, I think that's probably the, the contrast. Hi, Rob. Is is Danny Drinkwater still beloved? <laughs> I don't know where Danny would be in, in that. I mean, I think I think he probably did sour... Uh, his status with the club um, a little bit with the way he uh, got his move away from the club because uh, it, it was so last minute and he dug his heels in so much. I know there was there's still a little bit of animosity inside the club towards him a little bit of the way he tried to force the move through the last minute, which left them scratching around to try and get his replacement in. And of course, we all know Adrian Silva coming 14 seconds after the deadline and couldn't play for, until the next January window. So um, that has probably left a little sour taste in, in a few people's mouths. But uh, I don't know if we, we'll ever get the chance to see what sort of reception we get. <laughs> Certainly not going to be playing on Saturday. Um, yeah. Finally then, Rob, give us uh, give us a prediction. It's a difficult one to call this, isn't it? You know, you think of, think of last season, Leicester... Got a significant win at the King Power, Frank Lampard's last game in charge. Of course, they won the FA Cup final too, but Chelsea got that key win at Stamford Bridge to to sort of cement their place in the top four just after the Cup final. So, so what's going to happen on Saturday, do you think? Well, I think Chelsea have started so strongly. I mean, they're not conceding goals. Um, they're carrying more of a threat, it, it, it seems to me as well, in an attacking sense. Tuchel's a masterful tactician as well so um, I think this is going to be a really really tough one for, for Leicester and if they're missing Tielemans which they could be um, I think Brendan will have to assess the, 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 the shape of the returning players I mean a lot of them have been in Africa playing games as well this will be a really tough one I, and I, I can't I've got to be honest I can't see anything other than a Chelsea victory Let's hope so uh, many thanks for joining us Rob we'll speak to you soon Thank you 
Uh, Chelsea-wise, we won't know as much as regards team news until Thomas Tuchel speaks to the press uh, after we record. Uh, we're expecting Lukaku to be ready, Simon, do you think? And I'm guessing, given that uh, Mason Mount was pictured in training earlier this week, he'll be available as well. Yeah, I mean, Lukaku, he's been pictured back in training. Um, so it's just a question of whether Tuchel thinks he's he's ready. Um, there's some big games, obviously, following this one with uh, Juventus and, and Manchester United. Um, but it's very encouraging once a player is once the club puts out pictures of a player back in training and Lukaku's been quite upbeat on social media. Um, it's obviously a, a matter of when, not if. Um, and for Mason Mount, I actually think that knowing Mason Mount, he would be gutted to have missed the the two England games. But I think it's a blessing in disguise um, that he lost his wisdom teeth um, because it's given him an enforced break. It's it's a very he's, he's played an awful lot of games lately. In the last few years, um, and yes, of course, he, he should be right back into the contention on Saturday. But I just think, in general, Tuchel, um, the, the absence of, of some of these players is is going to give Tuchel uh, quite a selection headache because you know Chelsea have started to learn to play without Lukaku, and suddenly he's going to have to be reintegrated into the side again. Um, it's going to be fascinating to watch how Tuchel handles this man management-wise because there's going to be some players who've, who've had a run in the team who might now pay a price for, for the guys coming back and that's going to be quite a challenge for him to manage. I guess the benefit there then, Dom, is to the likes of Callum Hudson-Odoi who hasn't been away on international duty. He might feel that he's got more of a chance of staying in the team and, and Lukaku-wise, could you see him coming off the bench on Saturday? Is that just Even coming back from injury, that feels like a strange concept. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I, th- I think if if Lukaku is fit and available, then he he probably starts the game. Um, I don't think, g- given that, given L- Lukaku's inclusion, pretty much changes the way Chelsea approach a fixture um, and and a, e- even the build up of the well their approach play really because they sort of they know that Lukaku a poses a different threat to opposing back lines, but also shifts the sort of mentality of, of Chelsea's front line and how they get the ball up there and um, and supply him. I, I'm not sure that is something that will naturally work as a substitute. It's, it's almost it's almost quite a seismic shift in the way that the team approaches a, a match. I think there's an, a, a general acceptance that um, he, he maybe doesn't provide the same kind of slippery movement that you might get with some of the other players up, up top, but you can certainly use him as a proper focal point in a team. Um, so... If if he's ready, I suspect he starts, um, and then it's 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 really the makeup of the players uh, around him, and then the and the the tens and the and, and the wide players. When I mean, the wing backs are, are nailed on at the moment because they're playing so so well, Chilwell and James have just been outstanding for so long. Uh, they are very much first choice now, but it's it's yeah. I mean, Hudson Odoi's done himself no no harm at all with his recent performances. He has been around. I mean. <sighs> You know, he might have benefited from from being off on international duty as well and getting a bit more game time under his belt, even with the twenty ones. But that's a, a different debate and one for him to to consider in future. Um, I think Mount's re- inclusion, if he again is 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 fit and ready, is almost a shoe in as well because he's he is so integral to the way that Chelsea play. So it, it may be that that comes at the expense of Callum actually ultimately. Um, but Callum's a player that you can throw onto a game and stretch play later on and, and, and shift things up that way. So they've got a lot of options, a lot of a lot of ammunition. 
They've also got players who will be keen to make an impact off the bench. People like Pulisic, who have been away and played a bit of time in this international break as well. So, so um, plenty for Thomas Tuchel to ponder for the selection for that match. Simon, even if Chelsea lose this game, it's not going to feel like it did when we did our post-Leicester pod last season, which I think we actually called the downer episode. That's how depressed we all were. And it's less than a year ago, but so much has changed in so many aspects since then, not least in that it won't be on a freezing cold night in a totally empty stadium. But yeah, and and that it won't be a 2-0 defeat that leaves us questioning the manager's future. Well, you never know. (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's bizarre to think it's only been 10 months between the two fixtures. It, it feels like a, it's just a few years. Um, yeah, I mean, Chelsea were in, in a... It was the classic end game of, of any Chelsea managers. It, of course, it's it was the, it's the home of um, Jose Mourinho's last Premier League game um, in his second spell. I mean, Leicester's a, Leicester sort of... When they sense there's trouble... Um, that they can take advantage um, against Chelsea. They've shown that in the past. But no, Chelsea in a much, much happier, rosier position. Top of the table, three points lead. Leicester, they're, a da- they're always a danger, but they're not quite the team they were, of, of course, that, that beat Chelsea in the cup final as well, only six months ago. Um, Two call. You just get the feeling with him that he he's never going to let things drift. Of course, there is the there is the issue of this is the the, the first game after an international break, and it, and it's not the easiest way to restart the season uh, an away game at Leicester. But uh, knowing Tuchel, he he will have them thoroughly well prepared. It was um I I think I'm right in saying it wasn't actually Frank's last game was it because he played the FA Cup no Luton was was it was the last Premier League game yeah but there was I mean I was at the (laughs) I was I was at the King Power and and obviously doing the post-match Zoom because we obviously didn't get anywhere close to to any of the uh, the the people involved post-match but his language post-match I mean I've been at a few last Premier League games of Chelsea managers over the years and the Hawthorns used to be the one that that did for most people like AVB and Di Matteo, etc. But but the the way that he spoke post match, his he had that sort of haunted look of a of a manager that knew that what was coming. Um, and some of his criticisms of his players, while never as explosive as as those of of Mourinho back in in twenty fifteen, um, he he was talking about you know the players not doing the basics and mentioned complacency and stuff like that. And you, you just you just thought well. Yeah, that's probably that's probably him done now, and let's see where where Chelsea go next. Um, it was a very 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 grim night, um, a grim cold night um, up in up in Leicester. But you know, I think the way things have kicked on since has been absolutely remarkable. If memory serves, it was chalk, well, it basically ended up being chalk and cheese, didn't it? Quite quickly, um, in the sense of the way Chelsea played that night. They didn't look organised. They didn't look like they were playing for him. And within a few weeks, under Tuchel, it, it, it's classic case: new manager bounce back. But didn't didn't Lampard? I can't remember if it was after that game, or, or certainly it was quite close to that game, where where he basically said these players aren't ready to win anything. Yes, and he had a pop at Liam as well. It was all around this kind of time. Yeah, it, it, it was, um, he said they're not ready to compete after the transfer ban, the young players, and the new signings, and that was after that game. Yeah. Yeah, and um, yes, they weren't the most prophetic. 
guess <laughs> because uh, yeah, four months later, Chelsea Champions of Europe. So it just shows how things can can remarkably change. Um, but then Chelsea have done that in the past. Uh, while we're talking about Frank Lampard, by the way, Nick Miller's got a piece up on the Athletic now asking the question: What is next for Frank Lampard after he? Didn't get the Norwich job or didn't take it, depending on who you believe. Anyway, Leicester versus Chelsea gets underway at 12.30 UK time on Saturday lunchtime. We will, of course, react to it in Monday's pod. Elsewhere in Chelsea news, in terms of weekend action, the women's team who placed the vet in the Champions League tonight, as we record, host Birmingham in the WSL on Sunday. The men's under-23s go to Leeds on Friday night in PL2. The under-18s are at Brighton on Saturday. And meanwhile, we now know that Chelsea will play League 2 High Flyers Forest Green Rovers in the second round of the EFL Trophy, a date to be confirmed. And the under-18s will kick off their FA Youth Cup campaign on the 11th of December against Leighton Orient. Right, it's Thursday. You know what that means. Quiz time. Really high standard of competition of late in this. Let's see if the boys can maintain that. Uh, Three questions each, loosely based on Chelsea and Leicester. There's some deep exhalation, it sounds, I don't know. Nervous excitement is probably the thing that's uh, coming through on the Zooms and the mics. Uh, Dom, you're up first today. I was going to say, I was going to say, Matt. He said, he said, he said, there's been a high standard. Is that why I've been booked for for Thursday, just to bring the standard down again? <laughs> yeah. It's no great surprise. Don needs a win. Yeah, <laughs> I'm still Norwich. Aren't I know they've got a win, haven't they? We had but sorry, the other week we had one where we got all six questions right. We didn't. It wasn't three three, but we got all six questions right yeah. between. I'll us. be lucky if I get six right in a year. Actually, I'm Newcastle now. I, I've switched. I'm Newcastle. I'm Newcastle without the investment. I'm, I'm pre-takeover. <laughs> Let's see. Don't put yourself down. Uh, I think this is your week. But Dom, you're going first. Here's your first question: uh, Which current Chelsea player has scored three of his eight Blues goals against Leicester? Woo! Three of his eight. I would say Simon's poised to steal, but the look in his face tells me that's not the case. <laughs> right, sorry, 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 I forgot I was on Zoom there. <laughs> Rudiger? Rudiger is correct. That is absolutely extraordinary. 1-0, uh, pressure on. Uh, you wouldn't have got that, Simon, then. He's a oh, centre-half, so he plays for Chelsea, your mob. <laughs> Can we... I'll see you Monday for the next show, <laughs> Look, you're going to make it 1-1 here, I feel confident. Which Chelsea player made his Blues debut away to Leicester in a League Cup tie in 2016? A current Chelsea player, I should say. Away to Leicester 2016, 16-17. Are you talking 16-17 or 15-16? September 16, so 16-17. Current Chelsea player. It was a League Cup tie. League Cup tie. He would make his league debut as a substitute the following weekend. From memory, it went to extra time and Azpilicueta scored a really good goal. But that's not part of the question. Uh, no. Six. Why is this an easy one? <laughs> <laughs> it's easy for me because I wrote it and looked at the answer. happened five years ago. <laughs> 16, 17. I just know listeners are going, they've got the answer, haven't they? 16, 17. 
Current Chelsea player, do you say? Yeah. It's not on Golo, is it? It's not. Don, would you like to steal? Current Chelsea player made his debut. Oh, for Chelsea. Um, no, no idea. Absolutely no idea. Marcus Alonso. No, it was the previous year. No idea. Oh, it was Marcus Alonso. Oh, you, have to, you, said that. you have to be kidding me. <laughs> you Can't give you the point. I'm afraid that would probably win it for you as well. Um, yeah, he, people people kind of associate him with that Arsenal game where he get, did he come on at halftime when Conte made the switch to the back three and that that was his Premier League debut. But he'd actually played so earlier in the week. The, Le- played the, oh, the full one twenty against Leicester earlier in that week. Uh, never mind, uh, Dom. Here's your second question. Uh, this is something we've spoken about already on the pod today, so maybe that'll help. Chelsea's 2-1 defeat at the King Power in December 2015 proved the final game in charge with yeah. Jose Mourinho. He famously said after the game that the players had betrayed his work. But which Chelsea man got the Blues goal that night? Um, <laughs> I think I know this because I think he came to my place and, and was Utterly useless and didn't touch a ball in about six months on our various Chelsea loans. It, I think it was Loic Remy. It was Loic Remy. That is uh, excellent work. You nearly got all three. Can we just go back to the ridiculous comment pre-quiz? Oh, Simon, I think you're going to win this one. <laughs> I was just trying to boost your confidence. Uh, yeah, <laughs> this one's Remy. right. This one's right in your wheelhouse, Simon. Uh, which Chelsea Champions League winner scored his first goal for the club in a 5-2 home win against Leicester in March 2012? First goal for the club in 2012. 2012? Yeah. Notice I've said it's right in your wheelhouse. 5-2 win. Came in March. <sighs> Whenever we have a question about Champions League winners, Si, the answer is always the same. Huh? Yeah, I mean, it's generally always the same bloke. I mean, it was the same last Gary... week. It was the same three weeks ago. What? Gary Cahill. Gary Cahill is correct. <laughs> yes. <laughs> always Gary Cahill. One of your favourite players. Okay, you're back in the game. Really? Two one, but... <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. That's good to and know. Then of course, of course. Yeah, I'm just sort of thinking when he joined. Yes, no, that does make sense. So he joined in the January, didn't he? He scored in the March. <laughs> that, that reminds me, I've got to chase up uh, Bournemouth because I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm trying to set up a reunion. Me and Gaz, Kaz, I, I'll ask him about that game. <laughs> it's, 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 that's um, good commitment to the endeavour, despite the fact that he's blocked you on so many platforms. If you're in the club, I'll have to give you some face time. Uh, right, final question, Dom. Uh, I mean, this is incredibly difficult, I, I would say. But the form that you've been showing, who knows? In the 96-97 season, oh, Chelsea and Leicester met four times. <laughs> Chelsea used three different keepers in those fixtures. Kevin Hitchcock played twice. Name the other two goalies. You only have to get one of them. So they played four times. 97. Yeah. Hitchcock played two of them. There were two other goalkeepers who also featured. I'll oh, take geez. any of them. Um, can I give two names then? Am I allowed to give two names? Sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. I, mean, I, this is, I mean, I couldn't. I wasn't covering Chelsea at the time. So they weren't a priority in my life. Um, Dimitri Karim, was he being at the club at the time? He no. might have been, but he didn't play in any he of the games. So I've got, I think, Kevin Hitchcock, 96-97. Yeah, I can only give you one more guess, I'm afraid. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Kevin Hitchcock, 96, 97. Um, 
So Bassett would have, Bassett, Bassett would have long gone. Um, it's probably pre-Ed De Hoy. Um, so who did they have around then? Jesus. Oh. 96, 97. Oh, I'd say Ed De Hoy, but it won't be him. It'll be, it'll be too late. It wasn't him. Simon, can you can you steal here and, and make it 2-2 with a chance to then go and win it? Staggering. I mean, how has it come to this? <laughs> For some reason, I've got Frode Grodas in there. Ooh, that's a And you are correct to oh. say Frode Grodas. <laughs> so it is 2-2. Well, that's, that's, I, I, I'm I mean, I don't know where that name came from. Right, if you can get the other one, Simon, then I will excuse you from quiz duties for the rest of the season. Give us a clue. Give us a clue. <laughs> oh, that's Have so... a guess and then I'll give you a clue because that's... it is so random. Oh, blimey. Uh, somebody's... Oh, I suddenly thought of a... Basically, it was a random loan spell that so I didn't Jerry, know. Jerry, Jerry Payton or someone like someone No, like it's that. not. Um, right, the, the offer of no quizzing for the rest of the season is off the table. Uh, a clue Damn would it. be, <laughs> it was a goalkeeper who, I, I feel he's like a Premier League mainstay of this time, but he's mainly known for being on the end of uh, what at the time and has since been equaled was a record drubbing in the Premier League. He was a goalkeeper for one side. And it appears, according to our good friends at Soccer Base, that he had a three-game loan spell at Chelsea in 1997. Richard Wright? No, but Wright Club that he used to play for. Ipswich. Yeah. Uh, the the Canadian fella. Yeah. Uh, what's his first name? I got Forrest. Craig Forrest, his name Craig, was. Craig Forrest, yeah. yeah. Was he, at he had Chelsea? a three-game loan spell at Chelsea. That's amazing. Yeah. What? Incredible. Um, what's also amazing is that Simon has got this question to win it. <laughs> to win it, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, here how it comes. How has this happened? I'm just, just, please. just for the record, I'd like to say, how has this happened? Please please be like, what colour shirt to Chelsea play in? <laughs> Over the last few years, there have been various signs of a forthcoming apocalypse, but this would be the clearest indication yet that the end of the world is not too far away. Hey, I... I'm happy with a point as things stand, although Dom can always steal, can't he? So yeah, yeah, he can. But this, I mean, this is a straightforward. You just pick one or the other. So if you're ever going to do it, today's the day. Who has Ben Chilwell scored more goals for, Leicester oh. or Chelsea? <laughs> He's I mean... the left wing back, mate. He's got slip back hair. <laughs> <laughs> ben Chilwell, uh, no, yeah. um... Chilly to his friends. It's 50-50. I'll be agonising if I lose this. Surely it can't be a steal because, you know, obviously, you know, if I get it wrong, Dom Shut will... Up, sorry. Just, Shut you, up. you just focus on what you can do first and then we'll Shut worry up, about steals afterward. <laughs> I just sort of think, like, Chilwell's, he's only been there and at Chelsea season, but he was at Leicester for quite a while. Is it all comps? Yeah. Um, I'm going to regret this, I think. I'm going to go Leicester. I'm going to go Chelsea. Oh, it was so close. We're going to have to call it a draw. It what? was Chelsea. Uh, <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> well, you can't, you can't just say, I'll take the other one then. That, uh, that feels unfair. <laughs> I feel like team, I feel like Timo Werner, you know. like <laughs> it, The cross has come in. I'm six yards out. <laughs> just put it away. And not oh, only have you not done that, but somebody's offered you an orange wine gum afterwards. I've um, yeah. shanked it wide. Oh. <laughs> Seven goals for Chelsea thus far, only four 
for Leicester. Uh, so 2-2. Two, two. Again, I, I enjoyed that. I, I'm not sure you guys did, but um, yeah, I did. Uh, we're nearly done. You'll be pleased to know. Before we go, let, let's uh, let's plug some content. Dom, we mentioned your, your Christian Pulisic piece. Uh, everybody should obviously go and read that. Anything else that you've been working on? I know I keep banging on about it, but Stephen Watt is eventually going to get published on Monday morning. Um, it's... Uh, he uh, he actually resigned from his position at Hythe Town um, over the the weekend at the start of this week um, um, due to budgetary reasons at the club and post COVID. But he, he's I, I really enjoyed doing that piece with him. He's he's a, he's he's had a very interesting life. He didn't he didn't scale the heights that that he would have liked in terms of his playing career when he came down from from Scotland to to Chelsea. There were a lot of clubs virtually all the Premier League clubs at the time were after him and he only ended up playing well, a couple of minutes in the Premier League for Chelsea before the injuries kicked in at, at future clubs as well but he's he's a fascinating story and, and some some great tales of a of that time under Jose and uh, and managing in non-league as well. Excellent I'm looking forward to reading that when it comes out. Um, Simon are you on duty for the game on Saturday? I am yeah um, and of course I'm sort of trying to get up to speed now um with uh, sort of now I've been off for a few weeks, but I, I will give a shout out for a read I haven't even promoted on Twitter yet, although by the time this comes out, I might have actually put that right. Um, it, it's a piece I did in connection with some research um, that Tom Warville, who's no longer with The Athletic, a great stats guy, um, did about peak ages of squads. Um, and his research showed that, that Chelsea, in terms of a blend of youth and experience, um, they're at their peak now. So all this short talk from uh, Thomas Tuchel about how, you know, Chelsea are just the hunters and, and sort of trying to downplay expectations. Uh, statistical research shows that uh, actually Chelsea squad should be delivering on their potential right now. So we'll see if um, that bears fruit come May. Yeah, we did mention that briefly on Monday and it made me quite excited about what would happen this season. But I've looked on The Athletic this morning and, and there's a piece, because this has been done across lots of clubs on The Athletic, right. and there's a piece saying that if Forrest retooled correctly, they could end up with a squad maturing in tandem. And I'd point to 22 years of evidence to the contrary to say that that probably <laughs> isn't the case. But uh, at least it might happen with Chelsea, I suppose. Uh, Theathletic.com slash Chelsea is the place to go to sign up if you aren't currently a subscriber, but you really should be because it's excellent. Uh, many thanks to Dom and to Simon for their company today and to producer Lucy who's got an awful lot of silences to cut out of that quiz to make it uh, listenable <laughs> um, we'll be back on Monday when we'll be dissecting the Leicester game until then have a great weekend and we'll speak to you soon The Athletic <laughs>